Hey guys, welcome to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Diana Lee. I spent years steeped in diet culture, obsessively weighing, measuring, and tracking my food. In 2019, I ditched macro tracking for good, and now I've made it my mission to help you swap diets for real food freedom. It's time to unfuck your mindset and stop letting food control you. Let's dive in. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a minute to tell you about my upcoming free class. As a CrossFit coach and a former fitness addict, I've seen a common error being made constantly when it comes to training and nutrition. What I'm seeing is high intensity fitness, such as CrossFit, Spin, F45, Orange Theory, you name it, being combined with chronic dieting. Oftentimes, these gyms are actually running their own challenges, creating a steep calorie deficit for their gym goers to generate amazing results in a short period of time, and they do this multiple times a year. Even without these challenges, you could be knowingly or even unknowingly be doing it on your own. Maybe you aren't intending to diet, but you aren't eating enough to fuel the kind of workouts that you're doing for the results that you want. In these cases, I'm seeing a lot of frustration. It feels like all of this hard work isn't yielding the results that you're looking for. Maybe you're even experiencing symptoms like fatigue, poor recovery, bloating, or cravings that you can't seem to control. The thing is, these tactics you're using are down-regulating your metabolism as well as your hormones, and you're not optimizing your nutrition and training for the results that you actually want. If any of this is ringing a bell for you, then join me on March 22nd at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for my Master Metabolism Without Macros free class. During this class, I'm going to break down how common mistakes are making it harder for you to reach your goals and how to course correct your nutrition, training, and lifestyle so you can look and feel amazing in your body. To save your spot, check out the link in the show notes or on my Instagram bio. Seriously, pause this episode, go sign up before you forget, and then come back to me here as we get into today's topic. One of the biggest mistakes that I see being made when it comes to venturing into a health journey is that the first action that is taken by you is when you automatically jump into a calorie deficit. And this is something that I really want to expand upon because I want that to stop being our first line of defense. I want you to stop going immediately into a calorie deficit, thinking that that is how you're going to achieve your goals. And I'm going to really break down why and how to go about actually moving into your health journey in a way that's a little bit more health focused. So let's understand a little bit better why do you automatically jump into a calorie deficit as your first line of defense? Why is that a lot of times the first thing that we think to do? Really part of this is because we associate health with weight loss. We've been constantly told that we are an obese population, that obesity is an epidemic, and the message of weight loss has been continually pushed as the end-all-be-all goal with diet culture. And we are seeing a shift in the conversation being had, particularly in the health and fitness space, where a lot more people are focusing on building muscle and such, but people are still going about it with a weight loss protocol, with a calorie deficit, with trying to eat as little as possible. And that's because that's just the message that we've been told for so long. We're constantly subscribed to this narrative that we eat 
too much. And then all of the diets that are offered to us in some capacity focuses on some form of restriction, whether you're restricting very specific foods or you're restricting total calories. That is constantly what's being offered to us. So then we associate that with this is what I have to do in order to reach my goals. Really, the message of fueling your body is pretty much non-existent in the diet space. And of course, it's becoming more and more of a conversation in the health and fitness space. But the problem is, is that that space is not the dominant part of the conversation yet. There are still way too many people who are focusing on quick fixes and diets because that really is the mainstream conversation being had. And the health and fitness conversation of fueling your body for exercise and for building muscle and for, you know, being okay with putting on weight, if that's what it takes, is a quieter conversation in the grand scheme of things. And we can definitely work on pushing that to the forefront. I think there's a lot of people who are already making efforts to do that, but I still think that we have a long ways to go and we're still very fixed on this message of eat less. And of course, Another reason that we jump to a calorie deficit right out of the gate is because that's what we believe nutrition to be. We believe that nutrition is calorie control and quote unquote clean eating. And usually to achieve either of these, we have to restrict, we have to cut back. And really what I want you to understand is there's a difference between dieting and nutrition. Nutrition is understanding how to properly fuel your body, how to give it what it needs in order to thrive from like a hormonal perspective, from an overall health perspective and whatnot. Dieting is this focus on how can we eliminate, how can we cut out, how can we restrict what we eat in order to achieve society's ideal body. And there's there's a big difference. Nutrition should be really health focused and you can use nutrition in terms of let's say weight loss or shifting your overall physical being. But I think the top priority needs to be overall health. And then what comes with that can then be, let's say a secondary accomplishment, if you will. So why do we not necessarily want to dive immediately into a calorie deficit? Maybe you do believe that you're either overweight or your goal is to lose weight. And so you're thinking to yourself, well, obviously I need to dive into a calorie deficit. Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I just get right into it? And I want to expose you to a couple different options as to why that might be. So the first reason why we might not want to be doing this is because it's very possible that you've already been eating in a calorie deficit up until this point. Now, bear with me here. Chances are you've been engaging in some kind of calorie deficit if you have already been in like your health and fitness journey up until some point or you're very active in exercise and you've never been taught how to fuel your body appropriately for said exercise, or you're a very highly stressed individual and so you simply don't have much of an appetite in your day-to-day and have a tendency to eat very little throughout the day. And somebody can be engaging in calorie restriction and still be overweight. So it's not necessarily to say that calorie restriction is restricted to only thin people. There are definitely people who are overweight who are engaging in calorie restriction and just don't even realize that 
Or maybe you do realize it. Maybe you are, have been intentionally dieting to some degree. You've already been restricting what you eat, but now you're just putting a calorie goal to it and you're restricting further because you're not seeing the results that you want. Now, why would somebody be already in a calorie restriction, but might, might not necessarily be quote unquote thin or might not perceive their body as being small enough and thus feel that they need a calorie restriction. And there's a couple things that could be going on below the surface. So one is if you've been engaging in calorie restriction for some time now, especially over long periods of time, let's say like six plus months then chances are your body, your metabolism has adapted. And to do so, it has slowed down your bodily processes in order to conserve energy. So if your body's not bringing in energy, it needs to slow down everything else. So that way it doesn't necessarily run out of energy, right? And your body's really intelligent. It does this all on its own. And this is why you can be in a in an extreme calorie deficit and not necessarily be seeing weight loss because your body has adapted to that calorie deficit. So in these cases, we're going to want to reverse diet to allow the metabolism to pick back up again, to adapt back up to higher levels of energy. And that way in the future, if you would ultimately like to dip into a calorie deficit, you can do so much more safely and in a healthier place. Now, it's not just your metabolism that downregulates because your metabolism is very much connected to your hormones as well. So in a lot of times in cases of chronic undereaters, chronic restriction, we also start to see hormonal imbalances. If you've already been engaging in this calorie restriction, for all you know, you could actually be experiencing symptoms of either metabolic or hormonal dysregulation or even gut dysfunction without even realizing it. Because a lot of times we don't look at how to optimize our health. We don't look at how our bodies, how we feel in our bodies isn't normal. I think it's overly normalized that we crave sweets and we feel tired at the end of the day because life is hard, but really we shouldn't be feeling this way. We shouldn't be feeling such low energy. We shouldn't be having issues with food. And so a lot of your symptoms might be going very much unnoticed. And then you're starting trying to treat your health as a, all I have to do is lose weight. All I have to do is restrict my food. All I have to do is eat less. And you're actually exacerbating the problem more because you're giving your body even less energy to work with. It's going to downregulate further and we're going to create more dysregulation. So that's one piece of the puzzle. Now, let's say in some cases, there are obviously people who are genuinely overeating. Not everybody is under eating. I find that those who are under eating are once again, like very, very active uh, in high intensity fitness. So they don't know how to fuel their bodies or they are already engulfed in chronic dieting and restriction. But there are those who are overeating. These could be individuals who are engaging in a binge and restrict mentality. So you think that you're under eating because you think that you're dieting, but you have a tendency to restrict and then all of a sudden have a cheat day or a cheat meal or a cheat week or any kind of spiral into eating excess. And then that brings your calorie total for the week into a surplus. So you're truly not in the deficit that you believe to be in. It could also be that you're overeating 
in certain specific capacities. When it comes to appropriate nutrition, we want a balance between the macro categories, and I'm referencing protein, carbs, and fats. When we have an imbalance here, this can create either a drop in health or metabolic or hormonal dysfunction, overeating to some capacity, because a lot of times if we're missing a lot of key nutrients in our diet, we don't feel satiated by our meals. So macro balance is important. What I typically see in overeaters is that they are under eating in protein and vegetables, and they are overeating in carbs and fats. Another way you could be overeating, especially without even realizing it, is overeating processed foods. So especially now that health is this key word that's used in marketing to get you to buy things, healthy, fat-free, all of these buzzwords that are placed onto packaging to get you to buy. This gives us a false sense of security that what we're eating is truly, genuinely good for us. And we have a tendency then to overeat in these processed foods and we're not eating enough whole real foods. I especially see this with those who are very, very busy, people who just simply do not currently have the time or make the time to cook their foods from scratch or meal prep or anything like that. And I understand that that can be really difficult to manage in a day-to-day -day life, but I definitely always work with my clients on finding ways that we can make that a lot more manageable so they can increase their consumption of whole real foods and decrease their reliance on processed food products. You may not feel like you're eating a lot as in quantities of food, but your food adds up much faster than it would if you had a mostly whole real food diet. And finally, the third reason why we should not take a calorie deficit as our first line of defense is because it immediately gets you into the mindset of eat less, which is a very restrictive mindset. And this is going to impact your relationship with food down the line. So if you continually think that nutrition and that creating a healthy lifestyle involves avoiding foods, restricting foods, restricting calories, taking away from yourself, you are going to be miserable in the long term. This is going only going to skyrocket your anxiety around food and around eating and make it very, very difficult for you to navigate eating when you're constantly fixated on essentially not eating and what you cannot eat. So instead, I want to shift your mindset more into how can I add to my meals in a way to improve my nutrition? How can I better nourish my body? And then from there, we can determine what those next steps are. And that's exactly what I'm going to outline for you today. So just as a recap, why do we necessarily not want to dive into a calorie deficit as our first line of defense? You could either have been under eating for an extended period of time as it is with your metabolism and hormones now down-regulated as a result. So we need to heal those prior to moving into a calorie deficit. You could be overeating, but not really understanding that there is a macro balance involved. So simply shifting the balance of your macronutrients or even shifting the balance of whole real foods to processed foods might be the simple shift you need without necessarily taking away. And finally, we want to set your mindset up in the right place. So that way you have a healthy relationship with food moving on. Before you dive into a calorie deficit as step one on your health journey, instead, try these steps. Step one is going to be, I want you to establish a baseline. You need to get 
to know yourself, your eating habits, and your overall nutrition right now. Because part of the problem that we have with nutrition is that you are not aware of how you currently eat. You could be kind of gaslighting yourself in a sense, telling yourself, oh no, I eat really, really well. Like in the terms of, let's say when I mentioned the binge and restrict patterns, right? Oh no, I eat really, really well. I watch what I eat, but really you're only doing that Monday through Friday where you're using extreme restriction during those days. And then you think that you've done so well that you deserve some off days. And then you completely binge on the weekends, but you're looking at Monday through Friday as well. I just eat really well when in actuality, you're not at all. You might not have any idea of what you're actually giving your body. And I think just the simple act of food journaling, this is the tool that I use with all of my clients that I find incredibly helpful. Food journaling can be so eye-opening for you if you simply take the time to get to know yourself and how you eat already and how food affects you. So when you're food journaling, really write down everything that you eat. I would argue for like seven days. Uh, it feels tedious, but honestly, you need to take the time to get to know yourself. So write down everything you eat, write down what times that you eat, write down how you feel throughout the day. And what you might start to realize is, oh, wait a minute, I thought I ate really well, but I'm actually picking at chocolate throughout the entire day, right? And that's a behavior that you need to get to know. Or maybe you realize that you eat out of sheer boredom and not hunger at all. Or maybe you think that you're incorporating a lot of protein into your diet, but once you write it down, you realize that you're not incorporating that much at all. Getting to know what you're currently doing right now sets you up to understand what actually needs to be changed rather than just assuming that a calorie deficit is what's going to solve your problems right away. Now, if you're food journaling without tracking macros, because of course I'm the anti-macro coach, my clients don't do that, find a way where you can take note of portion sizes. With my clients, I use the hand portion method. So a palm size is a portion of protein, a cupped handful is a portion of carbs, a thumb is a portion of fats, and then a fist size is a portion of vegetables. So they might notate that way. Or you could do a photo food journal where you actually physically take photos of your food. So that way you can visibly see the portions. Or of course you can go by measuring cups or things like that in the interim spoonfuls or ladleful or what have you. Just figure out a way where you can consistently mark what your portion sizes look like. So that way you have an understanding also of how much you're eating, even if you're not necessarily tracking macros to the gram. Now, step two is you're going to take your food journal and you're going to make shifts in your existing baseline. When it comes to food, a way that you can make a shift, super easy shift is going to be improving nutrient quality. What I mean by this is take these processed packaged foods, if you're eating an excess amount of them, and see where you can shift them to more whole real food sources. A really classic example that I like to use is protein because a common issue that I see a lot of times with protein intake is that you're meeting your protein goals, but the way you're doing it is through the use of protein cookies, protein chips, protein bars, and the works and protein shakes. And really the amount of whole real food protein in your daily nutrition is 
minimal at best. That could be a really easy shift of making your, your protein sources come from more food rather than product. From a carbohydrate source, if you're eating a lot of crackers or snacks or chips and things like that, can you improve by adding more rice, quinoa, beans, legumes, right? These are a lot of really whole grain sources or nutrient dense sources that we can incorporate. And I think a lot of people focus on demonizing carbs and cutting out carbs without focusing on the quality of carbs they're consuming. Another shift that you can make is adding more food, period, and being really intentional about where you add food. I think protein is a hot topic right now where a lot of people are focused on getting adequate protein, but if you're not getting enough protein, if most of your meals don't have a protein source within them, that can be a really easy fix of adding a little bit of extra protein. I think breakfast is one of those areas that sometimes gets missed depending on what you're having. So adding a little bit of protein in there can always help. Vegetables is one where I see is commonly low in most diets that I review. When I coach my clients, I have them aim for about three to four plus fist size portions of vegetables, depending on their goals and, and their stats and whatnot. And I more commonly see people eating in the zero to two portion range. So once again, that's a really easy fix that we can implement adding more veggies to your meals. I like to focus on having my breakfast, lunch, and dinner all incorporate some kind of vegetable because that makes it super easy for me to get at least that bare minimum of about three servings per day. So there's really two ways that you can really focus on improving your overall nutritional intake. And that can be improving food and nutrient quality or improving macro composition, basically ensuring that all of the macros, protein, fats, and carbs are incorporated in your nutrition regularly, making sure that they are, you know, quality sources. And then of course, incorporating adequate vegetables. You can even go as far as incorporating fruits. Those would be more in the carb section. So that's a really great way to get a whole real food carb. Water consumption is another one especially when you're looking at your overall water consumption, I like to give a baseline amount of about 80 ounces of water per day as your minimum, and then go up from there. And a lot of times what I'll see is that people who are under consuming water are usually consuming alternative sources instead. One of them is coffee. Coffee a lot of times can prevent you from drinking adequate water, especially if you're spending most of your morning drinking coffee instead of water. So that could be one that we can swap out for a glass of water, or maybe you have yourself drink a glass of water before you even have your first cup of the day. Sodas, of course, also come into play here. So at times I've seen people over consuming sodas and then just not having water, and that's the only thing they drink. That can be a really easy shift as well. And then of course, looking at lifestyle factors. Once you've already looked at your nutrition piece, this is like step 2A. You're improving your nutrition, but honestly, you cannot make progress with a shitty lifestyle. It It's just to say it bluntly, you need to focus on lifestyle habits as well as much as you're focusing on your nutrition. You can have the most perfect diet but if you're sleeping like crap and you're not moving your body or something like that, then your health is not going to be optimized and you might not see results. Let's look at some areas where you can focus on lifestyle shifts as well. One of them sleep. 
Sleep, I see a lot of times people are getting in that like six hour range. And I would love to see you in that seven to eight hour range on a very regular basis. So really upping your sleep there can do wonders for your body. I'm, I was hesitant to add this one, but movement is obviously one that we can incorporate. A lot of the people that I work with though, they are getting inadequate movement. And in fact, a lot of times they're getting in too much movement because overtraining is absolutely a thing. So I want to be really clear when I say that when I express adding more movement into your day, it does not necessarily mean that you have to add more exercise. If exercise is something that you're already doing and participating in, if it's something that you're not currently engaging in, then by all means, this is a great first step. If you're already engaging in exercise, let's look at other forms of movement, such as walking. I think walking is probably one of the most underrated things that you can do in your health journey. And especially if you can get outside, I know I'm a little bit spoiled. I live in California. I have an amazing climate, but if you can get outside and walk daily, then that is super ideal. That'll easily get your steps up. Uh, if you can't walk outside, get creative with your steps. That could be looking like going for a walk on a treadmill if you have access to one at a gym or something like that. It could look like doing some gentle movement even within your home. When I used to work in a corporate environment, I would honestly go for walks within the building. I used to work in Boston, so our weather was not as ideal as my weather is now in California. And I would go for walks throughout the building just to get some steps in, just to get some movement, uh, just to get some blood flowing through my body. So that's always an option as well. Now, rest and recovery is another great thing to have a look into. So if you are overtraining, if and when I say overtraining, chances are you're probably exercising five plus days a week, maybe doing double sessions on some of those days. You don't understand the value of a rest day, and maybe you subscribe to the no rest day mentality or the you have to hit it hard every single time you go to the gym mentality. Those are the kinds of people that need to value rest a little bit more. And sleep is obviously one of them. Active recovery, such as those gentle walks or gentle stretching can be another form of that. And then refueling your body is great for recovery as well. And that goes back to that nutrition piece a little bit. So how can you improve your overall recovery? Finally, stress management, once again, underrated in our health journey. A lot of times we just don't even look at that because a lot of times we think, well, this is my life. This is just what I, the cards that I am dealt with. But a lot of times we need to acknowledge that stress does impact our health and our health markers a lot. And so it's critical that we do incorporate some kind of stress management into our day. And I've already talked about this a ton of times, but Using exercise as your primary coping mechanism for stress does not count. I want you incorporating truly parasympathetic activities. And what I mean by that is calming and relaxing activities that really downregulate your nervous system a little bit rather than activate it and create that flight or fight response. Really focusing on stress management through maybe that could be the utilization of therapy, meditation, journaling. Those walks can often help a lot with that, getting sunlight daily, mindset work. So if you have a tendency to be a kind of doom and gloom kind of person, really working on that mindset, gratitude, things like that can really help with stress management. 
Step three really builds off of step two. I want you to identify what are these things that you can change? What are the areas for improvement? And then actually start building those consistent habits and figure out what changes you can create from that, just that alone. I can't stress this enough. From a health perspective, when you start venturing into a health journey, weight loss is not always the primary goal. For some of you, it might be the goal, but that doesn't necessarily always equate to health. And you can obviously lose weight in unhealthy ways and still not be a healthy person. So if we put health at the absolute forefront of our journey, then weight loss might come with it if your body is in a place to lose weight. But that health piece needs to come first. Instead of fixating on what can I remove from my diet or how can I burn more calories? You know, I've given you a lot of ideas on how you can improve your overall nutrition and lifestyle in step two. And now in step three, it's going to be, can you make these a consistent part of your life? Can you consistently feed your body mostly whole real foods? Can you consistently navigate exercise and rest and recovery with balance? Can you consistently get seven plus hours of sleep a night? stay on top of your water intake and whatnot and manage your stress. And obviously this can feel a little bit overwhelming. So focus on a few things at a time and see if you can get that down pat and then move on. And this is exactly what I do in my coaching. This is what I'm focusing on with my clients, especially for those first initial months with me is we're focusing on mastering healthy habits that support them to be their healthiest, happiest selves rather than chasing weight loss as the end all be all. And so, of course, change and transformation can come just from implementing these habits alone. Some of that change might come in the form of your physical body, right? Maybe you will see the scale move in these cases because you're finally caring for your body and your body begins to lose weight. If your body is not necessarily losing weight, it could also come in the form of body recomposition. Body recomposition is the shift of burning fat and building muscle. And so with body recomposition, the scale might not move. And that freaks a lot of people out because we want to see that data point. And body recomposition is a lot harder to see. It takes a little bit more time to be visually uh, visually obvious, I guess you can say. But it could very much be there. And so the use of, let's say, monthly photos, I don't really recommend the daily photos that like 75 hard makes you do, but monthly photos can be really helpful to see physical changes or using body measurements or anything like that can help you track that trend there. Now, I've mentioned this a couple times already, and I really want to make that clear that health does not need to be fixated on change in your body. There's a lot of other things that can come before you even see change in your body or without change at all that does improve your overall health. And so these are physiological signs. These physiological signs of healing, of health and being improved can look like the following. So one is energy. Maybe you notice that you have either higher energy on a day-to-day -day basis or more consistent energy throughout the day. So you're not necessarily feeling, let's say, one of those 2 p.m. drops of energy or something like that, where you feel more energy in the gym. You're taking on workouts better. You're performing better, right? You're lifting heavier. These could be all signs of improved energy. Another one could be sleep quality. 
Sleep has a lot to do with our hormones. And if we have these hormonal imbalances, we can be really struggling with sleep quality, with falling asleep, staying asleep, feeling well rested after we've slept. And you might notice over time that improving your overall habits on a day-to-day basis can actually improve your sleep quality and improve how rested you feel on a day-to-day basis. In addition, maybe you're experiencing bloating or other gut symptoms such as irregular bowel movements or frequent diarrhea, constipation, anything like that. You might notice improvement in these areas. I noticed that with my clients, reduction of bloating is probably one of the things that I see talked about the most by my clients when they go through my process. A lot of them are eating so quickly that they don't have good digestion. And so by slowing them down into the more mindful eating space, that improves increasing their overall vegetable intake, their fiber intake can a lot of times help with that. So I just noticed that bloating starts to go down within those first just few weeks often. And then of course, like regulation of hunger and fullness or even cravings. You might notice that your hunger is more steady, it's more consistent, or that your hunger cues come back. So if you've previously restricted a lot, you might not even have hunger cues, and then all of a sudden they start to normalize and you start to recognize and respond to them better. Same with overall fullness or satiety. Maybe you feel full at the end of a meal, but previously you would only stay full for about an hour. But instead, when you start to increase the quality of your meals, you feel full for two, three four hours after that meal, right? And see improvement there. And I mentioned cravings. When your body is well-fueled, well-nourished, you're less likely to have these sweet cravings that you might always be struggling with. You're going to have better balance with that as well. These are just some signs and symptoms that could improve if you focus on overall quality of your diet and lifestyle factors, as opposed to just dropping immediately into a calorie deficit and see improvement in your health, outside of just weight loss or your body changing. Now, step four is really going to be what's next. Once you've established these habits, once you've become consistent with them, once you're learning how to really nourish your body and understand really what a maintenance point is, and then establish, okay, what has changed since and what is remaining that I want to change, then you can make decisions on what route to take from here. Truly at this point, you become consistent with these habits and your body, whether it's internally or externally, has made some changes and you determine, okay, I'm at this plateau point. I'm steady. I feel a lot better here, but I'm not necessarily seeing the continuing to see weight loss results. And that's something that I would like to see. Then in this case, of course, you can approach a calorie deficit for weight loss. But let's be clear. You're not going to drop into an extreme calorie deficit after, at this point. It's critical that you maintain the highest level of calorie intake that you can maintain while seeing healthy weight loss. And healthy weight loss is about a half pound to a pound a week for women. For men, it's about one to two pounds per week. So as long as you're seeing progress, then you want to stay at the highest calorie level that you possibly can while maintaining that progress. And then once you hit that next plateau, that's when you can consider going down into a further calorie deficit. But what I see a lot of times is people just drop into these extreme calorie deficits, which is going to undo a lot of the work that you did. It's going to freak your body out and you're going to struggle down the line again. 
For some of you, you might realize at this point that when you're eating more and especially more whole real foods, you feel so much better. And that going into a calorie deficit is not necessarily the best route for you to take. This is especially true for those who work on healing their overall relationship with food. Then once you've healed your relationship with food, a lot of times going into a calorie deficit can simply re-trigger you. And in this case, you might want to focus on body recomposition or simply fueling for muscle building activity. And anytime you're trying to build muscle, this does require phases of calorie surpluses. And these calorie surpluses are not intended to be just eat whatever the hell you want. There's a lot of intention behind it. So there's intention behind your carbs and fats, ensuring that you're fueling your workouts. There's adequate protein, typically on the higher end of the spectrum to fuel muscle building activity and recovery. And it's, it's a very delicate balance and weight gain or muscle building does not quite happen as quickly as weight loss. So it takes a lot of time and patience and consistency once again, knowing that navigating body recomposition can involve instead of reduced calorie intake, actually a higher calorie intake can be a route that you want to go down. Now, let's say you want to go more for performance goals. So you care less about what your body looks like and more about what your body can do. And this is more of that athleticism track, that performance track. And in this case, you want to keep your protein at a moderate level while upping your carbs and fats to fuel energy performance. There's different routes that you can take with this. And then of course, for some of you, you might decide that you're actually quite happy with where you're at, that the changes and shifts that you've made up until this point have helped you achieve a healthier and happier self. And so maintenance might just be exactly where you need to be. Of course, I've gone over a couple different ways that you can really take your journey from here, but really I want you to understand how we got here. We got here by understanding where you are right now, what key changes can you make without necessarily applying restriction? And how can you improve your overall lifestyle from a health perspective? And once you've established this really solid, healthy lifestyle foundation, then you can determine that what's next piece. And if you're not really sure about how to venture into that next step, or you're not even sure of really how to venture in those first steps, that's a really great time to enlist the help of a coach, right? Don't underestimate the value that a coach can bring you in this process and in this journey, because it can be really hard to navigate this on your own, especially with how impatient we often can be. We want results now. We want to see ourselves already improving and we're not always sure what to look for or what to do or how to navigate, let's say, seeing the scale fluctuate or how to nav navigate seeing anything else fluctuate, such as our energy levels, having good days and bad days. And it can really help to enlist the support of a coach to help you navigate this process if you need it. In the end, I hope that this was really eye-opening as to why you don't necessarily want to dive into a calorie-restrictive diet right from the get-go that should not be your number one step in any kind of health protocol. I would love for us to start changing our view on how we see nutrition, how we see health to more of we want to nourish our bodies so that they can thrive rather than I need to make my body smaller because that is what apparently society has deemed as being healthy. If you guys have any questions, by all means, let me know. I covered a lot of information on today's episode. And as always, please subscribe, 
Please share this podcast with family and friends to help get the word out and continue to support the Anti-Macro Podcast in any way that you can. Until then, guys, I will catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I am so happy to be a part of your health journey. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're now one step closer to ditching diet culture and finding real food freedom. 